Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 199, the identity series, I Am Worthy of Care. Yes, welcome to the podcast, guys. We're so glad you are here. This is where we talk about how the gospel is good news for everyone every day. And I'm your host, Lori Krieg, and I have alongside me my husband and favorite licensed therapist. And we got two licensed therapists. Well, psychologist? Are you psychologist, Allison? I'm already breaking the third wall. I am a... Yeah, yes. As a therapist, as a mental health counselor in my state. So okay. both, I guess. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll unbreak that third wall when we introduce that uh, voice that you just heard. But I have my husband and favorite licensed therapist, Matt Krieg. Hi, Matt. Hello. Hey, good to see you today. And we have my friend and the most professional radio voice among us, producer Steve. Hi, guys. I'm going to add my friend because you are. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I'm a licensed driver. That's pretty much all I'm licensed for. Same, 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 same. Uh, Today, we are continuing that identity series, uh, really helping us to know who we are in Christ so deeply. This is the goal, guys, so that we can walk into any room with confidence. And today, we're excited to specifically talk about how our identity, we need to know a piece of that identity as being worthy of care. Even saying that, it's stirring something up in me. So I'm super excited to have another friend of the podcast who's been on here before, and she's back again, Dr. Allison Cook. Welcome back, Allison. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Love these conversations. So uh, for a little bit more of an introduction to Allison, uh, she's a therapist, a podcast host, author of two books, including her new book, The Best of You and Boundaries for Your Soul. Uh, For 20 years, Allison has helped women forge healthy relationships and say yes to the life God has for them. Each week, she provides encouragement to over 70,000 people through her weekly email and podcast. Yeah, we were talking off air before we got rolling here that, Allison, you enjoy podcasting. Since last time we talked, you've enjoyed stepping into this field. Yeah, it, it's been brand new. I've, I've been at it about a year and, and kind of what we were discussing is I've discovered it to be for me a much, it's, I just love it as a way to really reach people off of social media, essentially. Yeah. Um, and I've just really been enjoying it. I'm so grateful. I've listened to several and sent them to friends. Um, and I'm like, here, you need to listen to this. You need to listen to this. So <laughs> thanks for doing what you do. We're really grateful. Yeah. We do love the, yeah. the personal way that you can connect in a podcast. And, and we'd love to get a little bit more personal with you, Allison, as well as our listeners with last week's question of the week, which is, <laughs> what healthy food makes you feel sad when you eat it? So Allison, we'll throw it to you. <laughs> Oh gosh, so many of them. (laughs) I have no idea that I've been on a health journey the last few months. Uh, The one that immediately comes to mind is broccoli. I I just find zero joy in eating it. (laughs) Any way it's cooked, like, because I had a lot of listeners say raw broccoli is just makes them so sad. Anyway, it's so sad. I mean, I guess roasted is the best, but really, anyway, it's just unpleasant, I find. Texture, (laughs) I don't know. Well, when I posted this to on Facebook and Instagram, which guys, that's the best way to connect with the podcast. Um, your top four, just if anyone cares that you guys all hate, and I got a decent amount of responses. You'd hate kale, 
which amen, <laughs> cauliflower rice. That one came out of left field. I was not expecting cauliflower wow. rice. Yeah. Kombucha, a lot of kombucha hate and <laughs> celery, which is quote, the floss of vegetables, yes. which is true. Um, <laughs> but Steve, which listener response stood out to you? Well, I appreciated what Laura had to say. Uh, she said, I am challenging the idea of healthy food. I have begun exploring um, intuitive eating and I have stopped ascribing value to any food over another. That said, I agree with alternative forms of pasta. I like veggie noodles, but chickpea or soy noodles, oh yeah. no thanks. Uh-uh. It's like the same wet, like paper straw. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yes. Drinking from a paper straw. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Soggy. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Matt? So not good. Um, yeah, I liked what Andrew had to say. He said mushroom quote coffee Ew. it feels so good after drinking it but it should definitely be called mushroom juice not coffee right so. i don't even have a category for have you guys heard what? of mushroom coffee no uh-huh. mushroom anything is disgusting you put a link to it and i'm like this whole website needs to go away <laughs> this is sinful <laughs> i'm very impressed with the sophistication of the healthy food. I, I was just thinking, you know, like carrots, broccoli, <laughs> the, the healthy food I grew up on as a kid. Right. We we're at a whole new level yeah. of healthy food in, a, in our, in our society. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I need to, before I go to the listener I chose, which was celery, uh, I need to give a shout out to Josiah on Facebook. And he said, cauliflower rice for sure. Tastes like it's not resting in its identity and trying to fill a hole in its heart by being someone else. Yeah. <laughs> this is real listeners yes. of the podcast. Yes. I appreciate you. You're my people. All right. But Zach, can you uh, play for us uh, the answer from Meredith? Hi, this is Meredith from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And the health food that I hate is celery. Yeah. Yeah. She she went to town on it on Facebook, uh, adding more like she only uses it in soup. And she was really like hating on in a kind way, a joking way of everyone before her. She's like, why didn't anyone talk about celery yet? <laughs> so, uh, man, well, thanks so much for engaging this space with us. Um, I'm sure we could probably all get into uh, a, f- a food side conversation and how that relates to our mental health. But we really want to shift a bit more um, into the gospel conversation in your story, Allison, which we did ask this um, last time, but I'm curious perhaps how this answer has changed. So uh, if the gospel is, we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe, yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. How was that gospel first good news for you? And how is it still, Allison? Mm, Yeah, I love that question. I um, I, I was just thinking how Dan Allender always talks about how we it's harder for us to face our goodness and our beauty and our potential in many ways than it is for us to face our our corruption and our and our sin in, in some ways. And that was very true for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say, you know, back in college, I grew up in a Christian home. But when I really encountered Jesus personally was in college. And for me, the stepping into um, the value that I had in Christ, Mm. Um, the experience of feeling seen, of feeling um, kind of called out into, you know, it really was a feeling of like kind of the cliche is like, you know, I felt like I came out into, you know, from black and white into color, Mm. Um, looking around the world seemed like in color. And I was, I was part of that. Um, 
um, had dealt with just a lot of insecurities, a lot of self-doubt. Um, and so for me, that it was really just this stepping into uh, humanity uh, and identity, uh, to, use, to use the words of this series, um, that mattered. And that changed everything uh, for me. And how is that still transforming who you are today? Yeah, 30 years later, uh, deeper in and further out, as C.S. Lewis says, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You know, I always think of the, the metaphor of, you know, when he talks about the kind of glimpse in the last battle, and it's just, it's, it's, it's the, the familiarity of what they've already known, but deeper in and further out, you know, it just is as expansive as the galaxies, right? This work that the Holy Spirit does within us, it just goes more and more layers and layers and layers and layers of, <laughs> frankly, of the beauty, you know, of who <laughs> you can be in Christ and also the the continuing work through the layers and layers of, oh boy, there's that, that shadow self, there's that, you know, that other side of things as well. So deeper in and further out. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. So today we are focusing on that need to believe at the very core of us that we are worthy of care. Um, and yeah. Why, why do you feel... Like that is an important thing for us as individuals to believe that that we are truly someone worthy of care when we are in Christ. Yeah, I you know, Laura, you said at the beginning that even saying that kind of brings up um, feelings within you. It, it does it in me as well, and I'm not sure. I was kind of noticing that as you were talking, and I was thinking, I don't know if part of that is the cultural overlay mm -hmm. of sort of the superficial nature of you know we see the advertisements. You know, you are worth it, and it's sort of this connotation of you're worth buying something or you're worth <laughs> you know something that is sort of you know materialistic or on the, on the superficial end. And I think that's where the self-care um, can, can go in my brain. But, but the reality of you are worthy of care, your body, you know, that's a journey I've been on is worthy, not only worthy, but needs, you know, before God, the, the, the respect, um, all the respect that you can give it, your soul, your mind, your emotions are so beautifully and intimately made. All of these facets of who we are. Again, that's the deeper in and, and further out. There's so many nuances to the soul, to the nervous system, to the body, to all of who we are that are worthy of our care. And I think about how we are made in the image of God, right? That Genesis, I think 127, it is mm -hmm. um, that as, you know, integrate, you know, the, 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 the Mystery. It never gets boring, you know, to get to know God and to love God, right? Because there's just so much complexity. But but there's a little bit of a mirroring in that and how we are made and our souls are so complex, complex and beautifully and intricately made. We throw those words around, but it's really true. And so how to care for those different aspects of the soul. That's how I look at it. It's it's the holistic care. And and then when you when you really get into the intricacies of what that means. It's not just worthy of care. It's, 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 um, it, you know, in the sense of I'm, I'm worthy, you know, that entitled sense, you know, I think right. that we see in our culture, right. That's what we think I kind of uh, repel against, but it's, it, it, that's kind of where it's gone, but it's, it's the, no, no, this, this being, this created being that the God of the universe called forth and will live forever is literally worthy of our care because of its inherent status as a creation of the almighty God. Mm. Hmm. At the same time, like since that happened, 
some other stuff happened. And then like in the Psalms, yeah. David says, you know, mm-hmm. in sin, my mother conceived me and the, and, yeah. and, you know, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. So in light of that, I mean, you talked a little bit about kind of uh, shat- doing the shadow work and things like that. Yeah. Like, but like when we're, you know, made in God's image, but still like also such a mess, I guess, you know, uh, with, because of sin, how are we worthy of care in light of that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the the both and right. Yeah. The the two things can be true. The you know God made us in His image, and also we are you know um, fallen and broken and constantly coming into contact. But I guess to me, it's a great question. To me, the work it goes hand in hand. That as we confront ourselves honestly, and again, this is where the kind of care that we're worthy of that's kind of different than what the culture is saying is as we confront ourselves honestly and we see parts of ourselves that we're like, ooh, that's that's there's still some stuff there. I still need to work on that. That we do change and transform in the context of care and compassion versus in the context of condemnation and um, judgment and criticism. That's just the truth. That's just what's true psychologically. Um, and so care when we care for a part of ourselves, even a part of ourselves, you know, I can think of, you know, just parts of myself that I bump up against are like, oh, there's that part of me that wants to numb. There's that part of me that wants to compulsively, you know, do the thing that I don't want to do. As Paul said, um, it's not beating that part of me up or eviscerating that part or trying to cut that part of me off, which would be me trying to play God in my life in a way that, you know, isn't going to work. That's going to change that part. It says, you know, God's kindness is what leads us to repentance. Mm -hmm. It's me coming into relationship with that part of me from a place of, I see you. And and it's exactly like parenting. It's what you do with your child. I see you. I'm with you. I'm not going to let this happen. There's authority without all those, you know, the shame, the judgment, the criticism that doesn't work. And so care doesn't preclude the the authority of calling something out. Hmm. You know, care is part of I see accountability, you know, with ourselves, self-accountability. Ah, I see that. And as a part of way of caring for myself, I cannot just gloss that over or say that's okay. I have to name that what it is. So to me, care involves that sort of honesty with ourselves. That's really good. That's really good. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're the best of you. I got it sitting right here for those of you who are watching yeah. online. Uh, that's your latest book. And that's also the title of uh, Allison's podcast, if you guys want to go check that out. But you talk about codependency throughout the book. And, mm-hmm. and you had a slightly different take on it that modeled exactly what you just said. It was, mm-hmm. it's not as like, Ugh, you're codependent, and that's your problem and mm-hmm. go figure it out. And you're it's horrible. Uh, it, it really, it was honest, but it was like a parent. Can you help us understand what is codependency and how might it relate to this identity aspect from the angle of, of getting care, that we're worthy of care? So codependency and our identity, how do those relate? Yeah, and it absolutely relates. I mean, the, the, the traditional, you know, sense of co- codependency is that is an absence of self-care. It's caring so much, you know, being so invested in the care of others that we lose the ability to care for ourselves. I take it a little bit deeper because to me as Christians, we have to wrestle 
with this, you're using the word identity. I use the word in the book, selfhood. What does Mm -hmm. it mean to have a self? Because as Christians, a lot of us, that's a bad word. We're not supposed to have a self. We're supposed to die to the self. We're supposed to deny the self. We're supposed to put everything to God. And as a psychologist, that's, you know, huge area for me of like, well, then what am I doing? Because so my work is to, you know, the psyche, the soul, the self, however you want to interpret that, you know, my work is to help people heal the self. Really, I'm, I'm putting, you know, if there's a self, there's God and there's others, Jesus, love others, you know, love God, love others as self. You know, I'm really kind of emphasizing the healing of the self. Now, as a Christian, I don't believe you can do that. You can't understand the self. You can't know the self. You know, and, and for me, a, a big influencers, you know, the Kierkegaard is, um, you know, all the greats talked about this. Augustine talked about this. Calvin mm-hmm. talked about this. You can't know God if you don't know the self. Right. But you have to, you, you also can't really know the self if you don't know it through the lens of the God who made it, created it, calls it into being. And so, um, so I first have to kind of start with what does it mean to have a self and why is that not a bad thing? And I kind of lay that groundwork, especially for Christians, that we do have a self. We're just, you know, it's just impractical to, you know, at the very least, it's impractical <laughs> to think that we don't. We all are obsessed with personality tests. We all, you know, have this sense that we want to know ourselves. It's just a fact. And there's nothing wrong with that, um, especially as we understand the self as, you know, one of the things I struggled with early on was I want to be more like Jesus, but I'm also a woman who lives in America in the, in the you know, in the 21st century. I'm not a man, a Middle Eastern man. You know, there's a way in which I'm, my selfhood is going to be hopefully shaped into the virtues of Christlikeness and also look like me, like the mm-hmm. way that God made me. And that's beautiful. And there's nothing wrong with that. Just the fact that we've overcorrected, you know, in our modern era, which we have. Um, doesn't mean that we don't want to claim this sense of what does it mean to have a self. And so when I get into codependency, what I have noticed, what I've struggled with in myself, which I'm very candid about in the book and other people, it's this sort of bypassing of the self that is not the self-denial that Jesus talks about. It's the, I don't matter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not going to do the work of growing in my own emotional health, in my own physical health, in my own mental health, in my own spiritual health. Um, I might even spiritualize, you know, it's all about God. It's never about me. And again, as a therapist, I've just seen time and time again, where it's like, I I have to work. Yes. And also (laughs) you do matter, right? You've had trauma, you've had, um, You've got sin that you've got to root out. And in order to root out sin, you actually have to have a healthy relationship with yourself or you will you know, eviscerate yourself in ways that aren't healthy. And so a lot of what I'm trying to do in the book is, is kind of look at how do we have, and sometimes I'll liken it to the body. I'll say to people, you know, if you're thinking about taking on disciplines like fasting I want you to first, especially with women, think about, are you in a healthy relationship with how you're feeding your body? Because both matter. If you bypass the work of the healthy relationship and go right to the self-deprivation, you, you're going you're gonna, to um, potentially damage something that is actually something God wants you to care for, to bring it back to care. Hmm. And so with codependency, how I look at it is not just about self-care, but it's it's and, and again, as Christians, I think we're so inclined toward this in some ways. It's We're so focused on the other and on God, and it's not bad, but it's like, I'm going to be so invested in caring for others that I might not be actually doing the work that I also need to do to tend this soul that God has given me and really primarily me to steward. And that is actually not good for the health of my relationships, for the health of my faith communities, for my kids, for my marriage, 
for my relationship with God. It's we have to hold these things in balance. And so my my understanding of codependency is it's a bypassing of the self in the name of doing other people's work. And you know, we all do this to some degree, but where it gets really extreme is when we we literally kind of deny we not to use the word avoid deny, we avoid our own problems, our own issues, our own hurts. And we just kind of throw ourselves into other people's lives as a mm. sort of distraction, mm. as a sort of numbing device. Yeah. Almost. Oh, no, no, yeah. I've and never, we ever don't done. do our own work. Yeah. Never, ever would I do that. <laughs> well, and I, to, to use that, because I've said that a lot, like, okay, there's a difference between the denial of self that Christ talks about, you know, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow him, and self-dismissal where it is this sense yes. of like, I don't matter, and therefore I'm not worth even thinking about, you know? And, and what, I, what I notice in myself, because I can do that being in a helping profession is it probably natural for someone who leans toward helping others to go into a helping profession. If I'm not taking care of myself, I start to be, become bitter and resentful, yeah. and that doesn't always come out toward other people. Oftentimes it gets turned back inward to myself yeah. and like mm -hmm. deepens that like, I'm worthless or I am not worthy of care. And so it just cycles and cycles. Um, yeah. It's something that, I mean, I think we all have to deal with is that balance of how, how do we tell other people that they intrinsically matter while also recognizing that we are people too. Um, That's right. So, and it, and it flips into the enabling, right? Where we start to do work for other people that is not ours to do and it's not healthy for them either. Mm -hmm. Which is where the codependency can get more yeah. toxic yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly so we all have codependent parts that work where is such a buzzword right yeah. it, i like to look at it there's it's in all of us you know because we care about other people it's just the slippery slope we just want to keep it in check we want to mm -hmm. keep it in balance mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good how how have you seen the way we're raised the way we're brought up in childhood childhood wounding um you know attachment all that how how have you seen that contribute to this kind of epidemic of codependency that that we're experiencing. Well, I think yeah, I think when we aren't in you know and again I see the pendulum, right? This is such a, a tricky yeah. needle this thread when I was writing this book because we're also in a moment in culture where the self is the capital S on the throne, um, which is not healthy and is not healthy for children. So there's that end of this pendulum I just want to name because that is not what I am after here. Um, the other end of the pendulum is when we're taught to be, especially, you know, I can only speak to my experience as a woman, but I, I know many men have read the book and said this relates to them too, especially, you know, we're taught to be good girls. We need to help others. We need to love others. We need to put others first. And if you have pain, if you're not getting the care that you need, if you're neglected, if there's some things going on in your home life where you're not also at, at least implicitly, if not explicitly being taught that you also matter, mm. that becomes a, a form of escape. You know, I, and that became for me, my story was, and to this day, if I'm feeling anxious, or I'm feeling there's unpleasant things going on inside of me, there is a part of me that'll be like, oh, I can think, you know, pick up the phone and call that friend and she will just download all her problems on me and I will escape into her problems and will not have to think about my own. Now, there's one thing to do that consciously, you know, consciously like, okay, I'm going to get take a break from my own problems and, and go be with someone else's problems. That can be a healthy thing. That can also be a way of avoiding our own 
pain and our own work and our own worthiness, for lack of a better word, Hmm. our own no-no. Right now, God wants to shine the light on my soul where there are wounds, where I haven't felt like the bitterness that I feel or the anger that I feel or the shoved aside-ness that I feel is valid. And God isn't doing that to me, nor is he asking me to bypass that. So, you know, I think that if in a, in a healthy home, there is that balance of you are so important. You matter. You are worthy. You, I am here for you, my dear child. And as a part of that, I want to equip you to go out among other people and from that place of knowing how valuable you are, shine that light of value onto others. And that's a very different things thing than put others first. You don't matter. It's more about them. That's not actually true, you know? Mm. It's because I know I matter and I've experienced what it feels like to matter to God. Mm. I can come into your life and shine some of that onto you. Mm. That you matter just like I matter. So good. Yeah. I uh, I would imagine some of the dynamic you just described with escaping into somebody else's issues yeah. and somebody else's problems uh, fits right in with uh, a, a church model. You know, like you, you mentioned yeah. faith community as well. Uh, have you seen that where maybe being a part of, of a church or a faith community has contributed to this kind of unhealthy, maybe codependency at all? Yeah, I talk in the book about the the cocktail of codependency being these childhood wounds. If you didn't have that lived ex- felt lived experience of your worthiness, the church church messages, confusing church messages that aren't necessarily wrong doctrinally, mm-hmm. but if they're the only ones that are played in front of you year after year after year, um, such as you know, put others first, focus on others, love others, you know, die to self. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you take all of these messages and add them up, and you never hear you know, or weren't taught in your home, more important, you know, that also that the prerequisite for that in Jesus' words are love others as self, which is an implication in Jesus' message that you will know how Mm. to care for yourself, right? But if that's missing, if that was never given to you and all you're hearing in the church is this kind of, which was kind of my experience. And then you add to that cultural conditioning for women, for some of us, you know, where be a good girl, do the right thing, be a nice person. What can happen is you get validated and affirmed. And I talk about this a lot. This was my story. Like, you're such a great Christian woman. You know, you're amazing. Yeah. You know, you do everything for everybody else. And and I've, I've become very sensitized to that. Like, when I notice it, like, the, the woman who's just knocking herself out to help everybody else is that coming out of calling? And if it is amazing, or you, do we need to pull you out and say, Hey, you know, whoever it is, whether it's a woman or a man, you know, do you need some attention? Um, so yes, absolutely. I talk in the book in the chapter on boundaries about, about sort of con- there's as much in the Bible about wisdom about not being a fool, about not being foolish, right? About not throwing our pearls, you know, out there about stewardship as there is about loving others. And so we need to hold those things in tension constantly as Christians and, and in a culture that makes it really hard. And sometimes in some of our uh, church language that can make it hard. Mm. Mm -hmm. I feel attacked. (laughs) 
Just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, it's so good and right. I don't feel attacked at all. I'm kidding. But like any listener of the podcast knows I took a break for a year and I know I'm sitting next to two guys who can be passive to their own needs. Uh, we've talked about that extensively on here. So I am just drinking up everything you're saying, Allison. And I'm really just like, goodness, I love doing this podcast because we get to talk about real life things that, that you're sharing with us. So thank you. Can I jump in? Oh, please. So just, just from a, from a male perspective, at least for, for my growing up in the church and everything, the, 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 the codependency, the serving others doesn't look the same, but I think one of the messages that guys get a lot is like, you're supposed to be stoic. Like you aren't supposed to have emotions. You're not supposed to have needs. And so it can come out in that affirmation of, oh, wow, you're just unflappable you're so steady, you're so, you know, whatever. And it's just like a lot of that comes from this passivity toward even taking a look at what's going on internally because we are supposed to, quote unquote, just pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and keep going. Mm. Yeah. Does that relate to you? Steve? Oh, yeah. Yeah, very much. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, when I struggled with depression and passivity, I was lazy. I mean, I am, I still have laziness to me and I feel like, Maturity has been overpowering the laziness and powering through and working all the hours and taking all the jobs and the work and, and, and not focusing on like self-care like mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. And, uh, my wife is helping me with that. Like she's, you know, keeping that on my radar, uh, without being codependent about it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but she does say, you know, you are self-forgetting and I'm just here to remind you and things yeah. like that. We need a different word besides self-care. We need like Holy Spirit caring for ourselves care or something <laughs> like God caring for us to through our the tangible. I don't know. We need another phrase mm. because self-care, like you've mentioned a couple of times, Allison, has gotten so hijacked and then then yeah. Christians roll their eyes and then ignore the whole concept and tell us to do more. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. When it's very deep. I mean, for me, the more I've gone into kind of taking the mirror and letting God shine <laughs> the mirror on to my soul. Um sorry, my I have a barking dog and I apologize. You don't hear it. I don't hear it. <laughs> Uh, good. Okay. The more I do that work of letting God shine that mirror onto my soul, it, it I am a better person in my relationships. Yes. I am always amazed at how my impulses and inclinations are not typically what the person in front of me actually needs when I'm doing it in my own strength. So it's a deep thing. It's a transformational thing for our relationships. Hmm. Yeah. I got to get to this um, chart that you put in your book, uh, because I posted it and everyone in this room was like staring at it, if not saved it to their own photos. So you talk about this chart shows a list of codependent responses to life. Then in the center is healthy dependence. And then on the right hand side, you had counter dependency. First, can you uh, define counter dependency and then help us understand this chart a little bit more? The counter dependency is the opposite extreme. And I think that it is, in my mind, so the, what I began to realize with codependency, which I do think we probably err more towards, and again, because of a lot of, again, very good church messages, but church messages that assume a healthy relationship with self, right? Mm. And that's, if I had a word for pastors, that's what I would say is just don't assume. Mm. Let's just assume that folks aren't coming necessarily coming in with a healthy relationship 
with the self before we ask them to die to it, right? Let's just nuance that a little bit. But the flip side of that is this counterdependency, which is I don't need anybody. And it, and it's also a little bit, to me, it's what we a little bit see in the culture. I mean, counterdependency is because we do need healthy dependence, right? We do need healthy dependence. Like when you said, I hope my wife's not being codependent <laughs> by inspiring me to take care of myself. No, no, that's healthy dependence, right? I mean, I can't speak for, you know, not knowing your, but that's how we come alongside of each other. And the difference is she's also, that's coming out of her own work, right? She's yes. saying, I've done this work yeah. and I see the value in it. I want this for you. You've also invited her into that. There's a million ways we need each other. Counterdependence is sort of this hyper individualism in a way that we also see in our culture, which is I don't need anybody. It's my way or the highway. I'll do things the way that I want. If you disagree with me, you know, I answer to my own higher power, which is me, you know, and, you know, it could it, you could complete it with, you know, is it narcissism? People always ask me, I'm like, not necessarily, mm -mm. but it is definitely the, I am only going to answer to myself. That's not healthy. That's not what we're after. That doesn't lead to healthy marriages, you know, what we need are healthy friendships or healthy parenting, you know, and, and we do see some of that, you know, if the relationship isn't working, I'm out. As opposed to if the relationship isn't working, and I always say to people, two healthy selves make a healthy relationship. Mm. It's not, you know, and I use the little Venn diagram. It's not, you know, I'll just become, let you do all my work for me, or I'll do all of your work. But nor is it two people that are like, I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me. That's going to last a good day, maybe a couple of years, you know, <laughs> until it doesn't work anymore. We have to set ourselves aside to create healthy relationships. We have to depend on each other. You know, your strengths are part of what are going to help me find my strengths. And they're also going to be the place where I'm going to have to learn to die to myself a little bit. Because as, as we know in marriage, you know, that you fall in love with someone and their strengths are the things you love. They're the things that call out good things in you. And sometimes they're the things you have to go, okay, I have to compromise here. I have to set parts of myself aside. So that's that healthy dependence where we are kind of working it out, negotiating it out with another human. That's how God designed us. We're not in, designed to just be living in our own little isolated chambers. Mm -hmm. So do you, I mean, because I, I look at these charts and, and codependency is something that I often see in my office. Um, but I also see those same people at some point in their life making these vows of like, I will never need someone the way that I needed that person. And they like vacillate back and forth between codependence and counterdependence. And, and it's like, it'll pop out into counterdependence and then they'll go right back into a new relationship and like reestablish that same codependent pattern. Um, and oftentimes for people, it becomes kind of this identity. I am codependent as opposed to a, a fluid relational style that, that can change. Yeah. And I, I guess right. how, how have you worked? How have you worked through that? How have you seen that? Um, how do you share truthfully with people like, yeah, like who they are, not how they have been relating. I love that distinction that you just made. And the word that really comes to mind that I also touch on the book is this trust learning how to trust again, right? After one has been wounded because dependence, you don't, you don't want to depend on someone that you can't trust. Mm -hmm. How do I learn to trust again? And a lot of that again, and so then we get into this idea of self-trust, you know, which is to kind of really trust myself because I do have to, to some degree with God's help and with the help of the Holy Spirit, 
who lives inside of me, you know, with the transcendent God, the imminent God, to go, I was hurt in the past. I gave over to that person. I was hurt. I don't want to trust again. I don't ever want to depend on somebody again. Well, to me, that's a cue that we've got to repair something within the self. What cues did I ignore? Man, and it's not my fault and there's no shame in that, but I did ignore some cues. And now in hindsight, you know, I can go back and go, I did notice that, or there was a red flag there. How will I do that differently next time when I notice those cues? And I talk a lot in the book about taking baby steps back into trust. We don't want to just fully give ourselves over to an interdependent. Interdependent relationships are built Mm -hmm. on trust over time. Mm -hmm. You take small steps to test. Is this person trustworthy? Can I trust myself that if I notice myself being mistreated or notice something that I'll name it, I'll bring it out. Oh, that's hard when you've been burned. Mm -hmm. Baby steps into these trustworthy relationships. And as you're saying, they're not, someone isn't trustworthy or not. You know, it's a spectrum. Trustworthy relationships are co-created with two people, right? Learning how to communicate through the challenges that we face and the differences that we have. I'm hearing as you're reflecting on that, I'm I'm reflecting on the early, earlier part of our conversation where you said tenderness is what helps us to change. And you're quoting, you know, mm-hmm. Romans 2, 4. And so just mm-hmm. kind of trying to tie it back into this theme of being worthy mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. care. Someone who sees themselves as valuable because God is worthy and he created us, they're going to be able to have those conversations. Right. Those sort of that's right. Even if they walk into, you know, our goal of this season, walk into a scary room, they are trusting God who made them to walk into that room and they're going to be willing to fight for themselves and fight for the relationship because they know that they're worthy of care because he is worthy. So I, that's me just reflecting back to you. Any mm-hmm. last thoughts on mm-hmm. that sort of interconnectedness? Exactly right. I tell the story with a client, one of my first clients who was in a toxic relationship with a boyfriend and my own learning curve of, you know, giving her all the reasons why you know she was being harmed by the relationship. She knew all that. She knew all that <laughs> until she got to the root of her own. I am not worthy of love until she could repair that and get to the root of I am actually worthy of something different. And at that point, prior to that, it really had nothing to do with the guy, you know, even if she was able to break up with this guy, she would have just gone and found another one, you know, and so that root of, and it was just amazing to me that once we kind of set the relation, you know, me trying to talk her out of the relationship, I was a new counselor, you can't be in this relationship, we got to get you out of it, (laughs) set that aside, just did the work with her of helping her repair that attachment in the relationship with me, discover what that felt like, that felt experience of someone really values me. I am, maybe it's just my therapist, but they really think I'm, I'm important. Aww. And that's the incarnational aspect of our work, right? We're standing in and reflecting, shining that mirror of, and, and, and she felt that in her cells of, hey, this feels different. Wait, I can experience this? And then that's what starts to change the relationship. So it's absolutely as we are seen at the deepest levels of who we are. And again, ideally that's what our parents do for us, our caregivers, 
But so many of us, even in the best of families, don't get that Mm -hmm. of our worthiness of someone genuinely kind of just that withness. You know, Kurt Thompson talks about, Mm -hmm. I love that. He talks about that withness that's absorbed. You can't teach it intellectually. You feel it in your cells. I am, somebody thinks I am amazing. And ultimately it's God, Mm -hmm. right? But we need other humans to get a dependence, healthy dependence to stand in that gap for us. Um, And when you feel that somehow slowly, incrementally, but surely when other people are are harming you, are mistreating you, are mis- there's just something in your in your DNA and your cellular level that is like, wait a minute, I don't, no, no, that's not who I am. Yeah. That's not how God <laughs> treats me, you right, know? Right. And that's, change starts to happen. So good. Uh, Allison, that was, you pretty much already answered it, but we've been asking this question at the end of each of these episodes in this series of identity. <laughs> uh, and so maybe you can expand a little bit. Just why do you think it's so important right now in 2023, so vital uh, for us to have an identity that's rooted in Christ? Yeah, because there is nothing else on this earth. There, everything else is a cheap substitute for that cellular experience of belovedness. Mm. of worthiness. And again, the words don't do it justice. I think that's, you know, when you have that experience of, oh my gosh, this is just the basis of all reality. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. It changes everything. And um, that's what we do. You know, I love, it's what you guys are doing through this podcast. It's what we do as therapists. It's what we do as friends. It's just as humans, the way we, when you've got, had that experience, from Jesus, from the Lord inside every, you know, you take it with you into the grocery store line. Yep. Yeah. You know, people are, you, you are, you are embodying that wherever you go, where there's just something a little different, the people are tasting and touching and um, there's just nothing else. There's nothing else that can replace it. Thank you so much for embodying the love of Jesus uh, through your knowing increasingly who you are in Jesus and reflecting that back to us through your book and through your words today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I seriously love doing this podcast. <laughs> Doesn't that like, yeah. that, that felt like some good old times yes. of <laughs> podcasting. I feel like we could have gone another two hours. Probably. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so guys, we will, those of you who are listening and watching, I'm going to link to the episode we talked with her before we were I think neck deep in COVID or something, Mm. or maybe, I don't know, but it was like about overwhelming thoughts and emotions. And really we talked about um, internal family systems and I didn't even understand what internal family systems was yet because I hadn't gone through that form of counseling, but that was a really great episode. Also linked to her book, that chart that I was talking about. I'm going to ask her for permission. Um, I'll ask Allison for permission to see if we can post that in the show notes. If not, go and get her book, The Best of You. You're going to be able to find that as well as other really um, easily digestible content in there, just really fleshing out what we talked about today. We do have question of the week for next week, which some of my friends are like, how do you come up with these questions? (laughs) It's just living my life. And then I text them to myself or throw them in a note. Question of the week for next time is, are you a hot box or an ice box, ice box, or are you just right? Mama bear, papa bear, baby bear. I was writing this yesterday and I started laughing out loud. Matt's like, what are you laughing at? Like, I'm so funny. Uh, Anyway. The question, if I flesh it out, is are you naturally hot or cold or just right? Steve, what are you? Oh, 
okay. I, I feel like all and none, like I sometimes, it just depends on the time of day, yeah. maybe. Uh, so I will say I'm just right. <laughs> Because the average is, everything averages out. <laughs> what are you, Matt? You have like a fur pelt. <laughs> I was going to say, it probably depends on on which season. But in the mm. winter, I feel like I'm just right. In the uh, summer, I feel like I tend to be hot. Yeah. I, behind the scenes, every time I do this podcast, whenever we're done, I'm like, I'm so sweaty. When I, I say that a lot. So I think when I'm on stage or podcasting, or if I go for a run, praise God, I can run now. Um, God has done some neat healing in my body, but I'm always, I'm the sweatiest person on the planet. And my little kids are like, Lori, no, they'd say mom, because that's my name. <laughs> They're like, mom, you stink. Anyway, didn't expect to talk about this today, but how about you guys? Hot box, cold box, or just right? You're just right box in my book. Oh, thank you. Uh, guys, just a reminder that if you're listening and you want to watch, you can find this podcast at wcsg.org slash all dash podcasts. Um, and if you want to listen, just search up Hole in My Heart wherever you get the podcast. And hey, you guys, reviews help us help other people to find us. And it also helps us to um, understand how to grow. And you can also email us if you have an encouragement. We read them and I forward them. Yeah. Uh, you can email us at podcast at com. All right, WCSG, thank you so much. This is where I thank you guys for hosting us as well as the Zach of all trades. <laughs> Video guy, Zach, thanks so much for doing what you do. And that's it. For all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we'll see you next time. Bye.